Okay, well, I'd like to welcome everybody to this edition of the AASLD Hepatology Podcast. It's my distinct honor and pleasure to have Dr. Dalawal with me today as first author on the paper for the October issue of Hepatology that we will be highlighting today entitled Clinical Significance of Azothioprine Metabolites for the Maintenance of Remission in Autoimmune Hepatitis. Again, thank you for being with us today and, and, and discussing your paper. I found it fascinating. This is something we have been doing for many years now in, in the field of inflammatory bowel disease. Our, our luminal colleagues on the gastroenterology side have been measuring these metabolites of azothioprine and 6-mercaptopurine for some time where in that disease state, they found a thioguanine nucleotide concentration threshold of 230 to 260 was significantly associated with remission of inflammatory bowel disease, and that had an odds ratio of greater than three, and you mentioned this in your introduction. We also have the whole issue of hepatotoxicity to include cholestasis, vascular disease, uh, that would include things like veno-occlusive disease, pileosis, hepatitis, with certain elevations, particularly in methylmecaptopurine nucleotide concentration. So we have lots of reasons to potentially measure the metabolites of azothioprine and 6-MP. However, a couple studies that have been done previously in this arena have looked at this and maybe found that it wasn't helpful to do so. And you're going to kind of lay all this to rest for us with your study so I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about what made you decide to, to look into this and tell us briefly uh, in a couple minutes of your, the way you did your study and then some of the top-line results. Well, thank you for having me today. Basically, what we found was that we use azathioprine uh, initially to induce remission in combination with prednisolone. And because lots of patients relapse once treatment is withdrawn, it is not our practice in our center to stop therapy. Rather, what we do is increase the dose of azathioprine to 2 milligrams per kilogram per day and slowly withdraw the prednisolone to, as to maintain remission and um, patients in remission on azathioprine monotherapy. However, despite this, we did find that about 20 to 30 percent of our patients were relapsing while on azathioprine monotherapy, and a further 10 percent of our patients were intolerant to azathioprine. Now, as you mentioned, so azathioprine itself is a prodrug, and it's the thioguanine nucleotides, the TGN, that is the active metabolite. The amount of TGN formed does vary according to individual, and there isn't a linear relationship between the dose of azathioprine and the amount of TGN formed. This is partly because of TPMT, which is one of the enzymes involved in the metabolism of azathioprine, and the activity of TPMT is genetically determined. So for a given dose of azathioprine, two different patients will produce different amounts of the active metabolite, the thioguanine nucleotides. As you say, in, in inflammatory bowel disease, they, they did find that higher TGN concentrations were associated with remission. And yes, there are a couple of studies in autoimmune hepatitis done previously that did not find a relationship, but we were interested to see if in our group of um, patients who were on a higher dose of azathioprine, whether we could find an association between the metabolite concentrations and therapeutic response and also the toxicity. So what we did was we recruited 
patients who were on azathioprine for the maintenance of remission of their autoimmune hepatitis from our liver clinic. We obtained blood samples at each clinic visit. So initially at the first visit, we did the TPMT measurement as well. But at each subsequent visit, we only measured their metabolites, so the thioguanine and the methylmercaptopurine nucleotides, in addition to routine liver function tests and also full blood count measurements over a two-year period. We defined remission as the ability to maintain a normal ALT during the study period. So the first thing we found was that we did not find a correlation between azathioprine dose and the amount of TGN concentration that was found. However, there was a positive correlation between the TGN concentrations and serum ALT. Of our 70 patients, 53, which is about 76%, stayed in remission throughout the study period, but 24 had active disease, so they had elevations in their ALT. Patients who were able to maintain remission, despite being on a lower dose of azathioprine, had higher concentrations of TGN. So it was 237 compared to 177 for those with active disease. We did find that um, for our patients, a cutoff of 220 best predicted remission with a sensitivity of about 82% and a specificity of 62%. However, there was no difference in the um, methyl mercaptopurine nucleotides or TPMT activity between the two groups. Three of our patients developed hepatotoxicity. In two of these patients, it was a cholestatic type of hepatotoxicity, and in a further patient, um, it was a more veno-occlusive hepatotoxicity with a nodular regenerative hyperplasia. The two patients with cholestasis had very high levels of methylmercaptopurine nucleotide concentrations, about 18,000 in, in the patients, and, and this is consistent with previous reports in inflammatory bowel disease that suggested a high methylmercaptopurine nucleotide might be associated with hepatotoxicity. Our other patient, one patient had nodular regenerative hyperplasia, and this patient had TGN concentrations of 469, which was in the upper quartile for our cohort. There has been a suggestion in the literature that the nodular regenerative hyperplasia may, associated with azathioprine may be related to high TGN concentrations. And most of the work from this comes from studies looking at thioguanine as a treatment in IBD, where there's a high level of hepatotoxicity in those patients. One of the unique findings of our study was that over the study period, we did repeated measurements of azathioprine metabolites over the two-year study period, and all of the patients were on a constant dose over this time. Despite them being on a constant dose in a few patients, we did find a wide variation in the amount of TGN measured at each visit. The median coefficient of variation was 18% for our cohort compared to an expected variation of only 8%. We think one of the reasons why this may be is because of um, partial compliance. So if the patient isn't taking their tablet every day, so not necessarily not taking their tablet at all, but just missing uh, you know, a dose or two here or there, that might lead to, to this variation that we observed. So really, in conclusion, we did find that there was a relationship between therapeutic response and TGN concentrations. And we did find that a level of more than 220 was associated with remission. Super. Well, that's a nice summary. Thank you for doing that. I have a, a three real specific questions that I think you can answer briefly. One yeah. is you look specifically at cirrhotics, and I believe you had 11 cirrhotic patients in your study, 17% of your cohort. 
What can you tell us that was unique to the cirrhotic patients in your study? So in our study, um, you're right, as you said, there were um, 11 patients who were cirrhotic, and our cirrhotic patients were on a lower dose of azathioprine, so they were only on 1.3 milligrams per kilogram compared to 1.9 milligrams per kilogram for the non-cirrhotic patients. And these patients actually had higher TGN concentrations. So despite being on a lower dose, they had fairly similar concentrations of, of TGN. And you found that they were controlled on that lower dose, correct? Yes, yes, they were. They, well, we didn't specifically look at the control between the cirrhotics and, and the non-cirrhotics. Okay, but what you did find was that they met your, I mean, one of your enrollment criteria was that they needed to be maintaining a remission. Yes, so they were being maintained in remission and, and yes, on, on a lower dose. So we were able to, to maintain them in, in remission on a lower dose. Okay, so putting this in perspective for me and for our, our listeners, you comment in your discussion, and I'd like you maybe to, to expound on this briefly, you suggest that TGN measurement should be mainly considered for those patients with active disease. Yes. And tell us a little bit about that. So you wouldn't do the metabolite measurements on everybody. That is not the recommendation of the result of one of your, the conclusion that you've reached from your paper. You're, you're saying let's just focus on those that have ongoing active disease. Yes. Part of that is because even though we found a cutoff of, of 220 best predicted remission, we did also find that patients were able to be maintained in remission on lower TGN concentrations. And because of that, you know, we don't want to be saying, well, everyone needs to have TGN measurement and everyone needs to be above 220 because that wasn't true. Outstanding. So the, the one final comment, if I could get you to make, is you, you mentioned measuring the methylmecaptopurine nucleotides or at least elevations in that what were associated with the cholestatic variant of hepatotoxicity Mm -hmm. In your discussion, you, you comment that you don't recommend using this as an alternative to liver biopsy, that liver biopsy still should remain the gold standard for diagnosing azothioprine or 6-mercaptopurine hepatotoxicity. Is that yes. correct? Yes, that's right. Again, in, in autoimmune hepatitis, it can be quite difficult to tell the difference between, you know, what, what is the disease and what may be azathioprine toxicity. So, you know, for example, in, in inflammatory bowel disease, it's slightly easier because you don't expect your patients to have high levels of, of an ALT. Um, but in, in AIH, you know, if an elevated ALT may be active disease, but it may also indicate that there may be some hepatotoxicity. So what we suggest is that the methylmercaptopurine nucleotides may be a useful adjunct to, to your diagnosis. So if a patient has very, very high levels of, of methylmercaptopurine nucleotides, that might make you a little, you know, suspect hepatotoxicity. But again, because you don't want to be withdrawing treatment in, in a patient that has active disease, a liver biopsy really needs to be done to confirm that there is hepatotoxicity there. Again, we don't see hepatotoxicity universally in everyone with that very high methylmercaptopurine nucleotide. So just because they're high does not mean the patient has hepatotoxicity. Sure, and I think that's a great point to drive home. And with that, I think we'll conclude 
Thank you so much for being with us today and for submitting your paper to hepatology. I hope that uh, you will continue to, uh, to do that, and we're hopeful that uh, we can have you back on another podcast soon. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye.